How are you doing? It's good to, good to see you tonight. My name is Mark. I'm one of the pastors here at Edgewater. And um, Matt uh, is a little bit under the weather, so got a call or got an email mid-morning and thought, <clears throat> okay, so yeah, let's just jump in and do this tonight. Fortunately, I, I shared at a uh, married couples retreat um, Saturday and Sunday at Sun River. And so uh, if you're here from that, I'm sorry. Uh, you're going to hear a little bit of a repeat on one of those messages. But, uh, but let's pray again. So Jesus, again, we are just here because of you and your great love for us. And we pray that your spirit would commune with us this night. And Lord, that we would just go in a direction in your word that pleases you, that honors your word, that's correct, that, Lord, um, it would ultimately be good seed, finding good soil tonight. And so bless this time. Thank you for each person that's here, knowing, Lord, that there's other things that folks could be doing with their time tonight. I just appreciate each person that took the time to be here tonight. May they be encouraged, Lord, directed uh, in ways that only you can do. So we look to you in this in Jesus' name. Amen. So turn, if you would, to Luke chapter 10. I want to read a familiar text that uh, we've read a bunch of times. Luke chapter 10, Matthew, Mark, Luke. We'll pick it up in verse 25. Luke 10. All right. And behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tested him, him being Jesus, saying, teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And he said to him, what is written in the law? What is your reading of it? So he answered and said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, you have answered rightly. Do this, and you will live. But he, wanting to justify himself, said to Jesus, and who is my neighbor? And Jesus answered and said, a certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves who stripped him of his clothing, wounded him, and departed, having, uh, leaving him half dead. Now by chance, a certain priest came down that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. Likewise, the Levite, when he arrived at the place, came and looked and passed by on the other side. But a certain Samaritan as he journeyed, came where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. So he went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine, and he set him on his own animal, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. On the next day, when he departed, he took out two denarii, gave them to the innkeeper, and said to him, <clears throat> take care of him, and whatever more you spend, when I come again, I will repay you. So which of these three do you think was neighbor to him who fell among the thieves? And he said, he who showed mercy on him. Then Jesus said to him, go and do likewise. You can hear this again. <laughs> go and do likewise. Go and do likewise. This Samaritan uh, was different, obviously, than these religious guys. Like me, I guess. I'd be maybe like that priest or that Levite, you know, occupationally, I guess. 
But the Samaritan was different. I, I think what was different in him was something that he carried with him really just in his life. There was something inside of him that was different. I, I don't think when he saw the situation, uh, um, it was hard for him to make the decision to do what was right. It was, it, he, he was already a certain type of a person. And I think what he had that I want to have more of, and perhaps you do too, and I want to talk about tonight, I think he had a missional mindset. He had a missional mindset. That's what I want to talk about tonight, is, is having a missional mindset. If you're new to Edgewater, even if you're not new, um, the elders have worked out, just praying and thinking about kind of what, 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 um, we call them pillars, kind of the philosophically and theologically, uh, what's Edgewater about? We have four pillars, like corporate worship, which is what we're doing tonight, Sundays, Wednesdays, praise, studying God's word. Celebration, things like Easter services, Christmas Eve, family camps, um, just notable celebrative moments. Um, community, which is community groups, just getting together, fellowshipping. And then last but not least is mission. The fourth pillar is something we call mission. We want to be a missional people here at Edgewater. And that's something that you have to, you have to choose. I think this Samaritan had a missional mindset to him. That's why he did what he did. It wasn't hard for him to make the decision. He had already, he was already that kind of person. He was looking for opportunities to be missional. And so what, what's, what's, what am I talking, what's mission? Mission carries with it this idea that God has called each and every believer to a cause or a purpose greater than themselves. That God has called every believer here, every believer everywhere, to a purpose, to a cause greater than yourself. That's that idea of a missional mindset. And I think today in our world that seems to be increasingly selfish and maybe with a lot of self-absorbed people, um, that missional mindset is, is, I don't see it perhaps as much as I'd like to, even in my own life. When I share tonight, I, I'm talking to myself probably more than I'm talking to you. And so um, I, just, I just don't see it like I'd like to see it in my life. That, that, <clears throat> that idea where there's a cause <clears throat> and I'm living for a cause greater than myself or my family or my marriage or my stuff. It, that's kind of what I want to, again, talk about. And I think our children are growing up in an environment within our church even where life seems to be really revolving a lot about, around them. And I get that to a point. I get it to a point, but I think it's, in some families, maybe past a healthy point where the, our kiddos, um, which we love, are the little gods and goddesses now of our homes, and life kind of revolves around them, their schedules, <clears throat> their food, their sleep, their school, their, 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 and, and it ends up, I, I think, all they see often is they just see people catering to them. Life is about them. And that's, that's, again, not what we want to be. We want to be different than that. We want to teach our kids, hopefully you want to teach your kids to be others-oriented. You want to teach your kids to have a missional mindset like this guy, this Samaritan had. So again, uh, a definition of this mission is, is uh, one definition I like that I ran across. is it's, a, it's an important goal or purpose 
It's an important goal or purpose, cause, that's accomplished by strong conviction. I think to have a missional mindset, you've got to have a conviction to have a missional mindset. You've got to, have, you've got to carry it with you like the, like the Samaritan. He had oil and wine, and he had something inside of him that made it all work beautifully for that, for that man that was hurt so bad. So when you look in the Bible, you can see this missional mindset spoken of throughout Scripture. It's everywhere in Scripture. I'm just going to touch on a, on a few places where you can find it. You'll see a missional mindset being expressed by God in Genesis 1. I mean, it's from the first chapter of the Bible. Genesis 1, 27, 28. I'll just read it. You can, if you can look there, great. If not, just listen. Genesis 1, 27, 28. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them, and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth, subdue it, have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. So God just didn't say to Adam and Eve, he didn't say, hey, just chillax by the tree of life and kick back. Enjoy your fan. It's going to be a good place, this garden I've made. And it was a good place. That's not what he said. He had, some, he had some purpose for them. He had a cause for them that was greater than themselves. Subdue, have dominion, be fruitful, and multiply. I don't know what Adam and Eve would have done, but that's certainly... God, God, God was missional from the first chapter of the Bible. Hey, I have some things for you to do that are bigger than you. Second thing is God said, and we, we touched on this already, but God gave every Christian a missional call to love his neighbor. One of the great commandments, which again we touched on, um, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Loving your neighbor is very missional. It's not always easy. It can be challenging. It can be loaded with challenges to love your neighbor. Who's your neighbor? Again, from the story of the Good Samaritan, whoever's around you, whoever's around you at any moment is your neighbor. You go to the store, when you're at work tomorrow, whatever you're doing tonight, tomorrow, this week, this weekend, those are your neighbors, and they're in all kinds of shapes. <laughs> some are beat up, some are bruised, some are tired and weary, and Lord knows. But the Bible says we're to love our neighbor. It's very missional. 1985, when uh, when my wife and I had been married uh, at that point, you know, to get this right, six years. Um, we had uh, we had we had three kids. Our youngest, Kelly. Our, he was our, our last one to be born. He was, he was just a baby. And there was a couple that went to our church, uh, a single mom and, who had a daughter. And uh, I, I think they had maybe sold their house or something happened to the house they were renting and they needed a place to stay for a while. And so we, we, kind of, we invited them to live with us. And uh, we, didn't, we had a really tiny house on L Street. We didn't even really have room for them to to really live in the house. So I borrowed my dad's like little motorhome thing, parked it in our carport and uh, Sherry and Melina slept in that and then ate with us inside the house. But we kind of made a third, fourth, whatever, sec- that would have been a third bedroom out there for them, so to speak. So, and that started um, kind of a missional ministry that my wife and I, I don't know, it, it just found us that we just continued to do for years. For about well, up to now, <laughs> 1986 to now, a long time. We've just had people live with us. 
lots of people have lived with us. Um, Matt, Matt, the basement rat lived with us. That's Matt Heverly. He, he came to live with us about 10 years after this. My kids named him Matt, Matt, the basement rat because we had a little room in the basement and he was awesome to live with. He lived with us for about a year. I met him on a mission trip to Mexico. We'll talk about that in a couple of minutes. But, but that, that, that became kind of a missional thing that, that my wife Katie and I uh, kind of latched onto or it latched onto us. I don't know, but, but it was really good for our marriage to have a cause greater than ourselves. And it was really good for our kids, I think. Uh, I have three great kids. Just, I have three great kids. And I, I don't know, it's the grace of God and their mom. <laughs> Just throwing that in for extra. All right, good. But it's the grace of God and, and their mom that made that happen. Um, but uh, I think a little bit of it too was this, this missional kind of thing that we picked up on. Where for us, it was just people living with us, you know, and doing life with us. And our kids just grew up around other people hanging out in our home and sharing home and sharing life together. It was, it was really good. Um, I think it was good for our kids and it was good for us. Um, another thing, another place you'd find uh, missional things talked about in the Bible is, uh, is just... When you think about Jesus himself, God and Jesus, God is very missional. God gave, God sent his only son that's to a cause greater than himself. He was, he was set up in heaven. You guys know that, right? I mean, Jesus didn't need to leave heaven. He had it going. God, God was completely content within, within himself in heaven. It was heaven, glory. It was, it was something that... We'll, we'll see one day and we'll enjoy one day uh, with him. But he didn't need to leave, but he had a, I'm going to call it a missional mindset where God would give his son up for us. We were the great cause greater than himself for a cause greater. It was us, it was you, it was me, that God would send his son, that Jesus would have that same mindset and leave glory and, 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 and whatever heaven's Peek up, it's, that's who God is. He's very missional. John 1.12, but as many as received him, to, to them he gave the right to become the children of God. We, because of God's missional heart, this cause greater than himself, we have the right tonight to be the children of God. Think about that. The children of God. You can get lost in that. I hope you do once in a while. Get lost in that. It's a beautiful thing. You know, there's, there's, a, there's a gajillion missional things you can do. What we did as a family is we kind of locked into the hospitality thing, hospitality thing, I don't know what you call it, but uh, that's not all we did. I mean, there's more than that, but that's kind of the main thing that my wife and I did. And I just, I just so want to encourage you tonight to consider if you're missionally minded, just, I hope tonight's just an encouragement. If you're not so much that you might grow in that a little bit, consider that a little bit. There's a zillion things you can do that are outside of you that are beautiful missional things. You know, we have safe families here. You guys have heard of safe families where um, folks come alongside families that aren't maybe quite to the DHS level of, of need, but they're heading that direction often. And we, um, we, uh, we, we get involved with those families, and you get involved with those families, and, 
and we try to just get things straightened up and squared away before things get any worse than they are. It's called Safe Families. A lot of you are doing some missional work. That's a cause greater than yourself. There's foster parenting, Matt and Charity, and some of you do that. That's so awesome. You know, just delivering a meal, preparing and delivering a meal to somebody, that's very missional. You don't have to do that. Make your own meal, right? But you can make your own meal and somebody else's too at the same time. And I just think growing up, um, again, most of the missional stuff my wife and I did kind of happen in our home. But I, I, I just think what would have been like, you know, to add to that, maybe grabbing our kids and I just, I'm just in love with this idea of finding like a little widow gal and, and, um, and going to her house every six weeks, every couple months, whatever. And my son Kelly and I doing some yard work, clean the gutters, whatever, and trim bushes. And, and my girls and, and Katie maybe doing some inside stuff. And then, and then taking her to Dairy Queen, which is always a good idea. <laughs> always good. And getting her a blizzard. And then in the process, getting myself a blizzard. I think that just makes great sense. But I, I wished I would have done a little bit more of that. I mean, again, missional stuff for us was inside of our home, but just it's everywhere. It's everywhere if you want to see it. <laughs> and that's the, kind of the thing tonight is do you want to see it? Do you want to live missionally? You have to make a choice. The good Samaritan was good because <laughs> he already had that mindset. He didn't have to make a decision when the moment came. It was already in him. He just saw it and did it. The other people analyzed it. Mmm, that's going to take time. Ooh, that's messy. And no doubt it would have been all those things and more. So there's a, just so many things. That, you know, visiting nursing homes. Um, if you have little kids here tonight or grandkids, we have some really cute grandkids. You take grandkids to nursing homes, they are rock stars. They are rock stars in nursing homes. Every person lights up when they see a little kid. And I have really cute grandkids. <laughs> really cute. You do too. Good. Good. We have, every grandkid's cute. But there's jillions of things you can do if you want to. If you have eyes to see and a heart that desires that. Because it's a beautiful thing. There's even a mission, there's a lot of missional things in the Bible about just a missional stuff where we get the word missionaries or the idea of missionaries outside of our country. You're just down in Mexico not long ago. Um, Matthew 28, 19, go therefore and make disciples of all nations. We, we call those people that go outside of our borders called missionaries, but there's not a reason in this world, there's not a reason in this planet where we shouldn't be missionaries tonight, tomorrow. We're all missionaries. Mission Aries. It's not going to Mexico. There's some joys about going to Mexico. Again, uh, my son Kelly, uh, when, when we were at Applegate Christian Fellowship, um, before they had the mission at Carmen Sardon, they, they were kind of going to this other mission in the late 80s, early 90s. And so when Kelly was four years old, I took him to this orphanage near Ensenada, outside Ensenada, to do, I was going to do some masonry work Kelly's job was to play with the orphan kids. He's four years old. He doesn't know any Spanish. They do not know English. But when you're playing together, there's a language. There's a language of play. It doesn't need, it breaks all barriers. I, I, sometimes I'd leave my masonry job and I'd come around, peek around the corner, and Kelly is surrounded by these little orphan kids, you know. 
And he's just jabbering away in English, and they're jabbering away in Spanish, but they are totally communicating because it's fun, whatever they're doing. And it was just, it was so beautiful to watch as a dad, you know, so sweet. And then later, when he was about 10 years old, I took him back to another place in northern Mexico, and we did another job, and that's where I met Matt. That's one of the little benefits of, it was when Kelly was 10, we went to another whole different thing. I watched this guy named Matt Heavily work really hard one week, just digging, and it's like, and I found he's like, he was an engineer, thinking, whoa, buddy, um, you're a good worker. That guy's a good worker. And so on the way back from this missional experience, I had the kind of the blessing of getting to know him a little bit. What's your story? Find out he's working up the street from my house, living in Medford, wanting to pay off his school loan at Oregon State. I can live with that. But um, um, he wants to pay off his school loan. He needs like 10 months. It's like October. He needs like 10 months before he has this big thing he wants to do with Applegate Christian Fellowship. He wants to pay off his school. He wants to do it. So, okay, come live with me. Become Matt Matt the basement rat. Live in my basement. My kids fell in love with him. You know, he's just a great part of our family. And so now we have that relationship. Today. That came, all came from a missional thing. That, that, that was just a blessing of being on a missional kind of experience. You know, it was, it, was, it was great. And it's interesting, my son Kelly was a pastor here for about seven and a half years. He's, he's now living in Southern California doing something different. But um, his, his job here always seemed to be pretty much revolved around kids. You did kids stuff, kids wing, middle school. And I just wonder if a little bit of that missional thing I did with him, maybe a tiny bit when he was a little kid, take him to Mexico, maybe that kind of, maybe said, eh, I don't know, maybe, I don't know, I don't want to overstate it, I can't, I can't be sure of that. But I don't think it hurt anything, taking him on those kind of experiences, having that mindset that says, I'm, I'm willing, I'm willing to, to invest in a cause or, or a purpose greater than myself. But if you do that, it's, it's going to cost you. It's just going to cost you. We're not going to talk about that for a second. It wouldn't be fair not to. If you, if you want to develop a missional mindset, you just got to, you got to kind of look at the cost because it's going to cost. And it's going to cost you a lot more than what I wrote down. Um, it's going to cost you time for sure. It's going to cost you time. Time is money, right? It's going to cost you time. That's going to mean some time that, uh, and, I don't, and I don't know, I, I don't know what your life's like, but my, I have no time. I have no time. I don't, I don't even have time to do my life. You don't have time to probably do your life either. We're all super busy. I don't know what we're doing, but we're all really busy doing something. And, you know, there's, uh, there's just everything. There's vacations, work, sports, kids' functions, grandkids' functions, entertainment, church, hobbies, yard work, housework, holidays. Just the list goes on and on. So if you're looking to take time to develop a missional mindset, you're, you're probably going to have to make time. You're just going to have to grab it from something. It's going to cost you something. It's going to cost you some time. You know, it wasn't that hard for us when people lived in our home. It didn't really cost us that much time. It cost us maybe some other ways, but, but uh, normally it's going to cost you some time. You're not going to do something to do, to do that. The good Samaritan didn't get as quickly <laughs> to where he was headed, nor with as much money, <laughs> because it cost him some time, you know. Secondly, it's going it's to gonna cost you some money. We've talked about that. You know, one of the things we did, um, when people have lived with us, we've never charged for it. It's always been you know, just free. That's just the way we wanted to do it. That's not the way everyone needs to do it, but that's the way we did it. We just pay for it, food, whatever. Just, just want to help you. 
And so um, 19, no, 2005, when Edgewater started, there was these two guys, two really big hungry guys that lived with us for a year. <laughs> wow, that really ate a lot of food. And they were our interns for a year at Edgewater, Eli and Nolan. They're awesome. And, uh, but it's, it's going to definitely cost you some change, you know, at times, stuff like that. So you got to be willing. If you're going to have a mission, it costs the good Samaritan, you know, oil and wine. And he said, here's two denarii. And if it costs more, I'll, I'll pay. It's going to cost you some money. It's, it's going to. It's just going to cost you. It's going to cost you time. It's going to cost you money. But probably the most challenging thing is going to cost you some heart. It's going to cost you some of you. <laughs> That's always a tough one. It's going to cost you something of you. It's going to cost you some heart. It's going to cost you some compassion. Going to cost you some thinking about somebody when you could be thinking about you. And we all are pretty good. I'm pretty good at thinking about me. I'm an expert in thinking about me. I'm a professional me thinker. <laughs> and you probably are pretty good too. That means I'm not going to be able to think about me quite as much as I normally probably think about me. Think about somebody else. It's going to cost you, I call it compassion. It's going to cost you looking into your own heart at times and saying, whoa, what's going on in there? Um, compassion, though, is actually what I wrote down. It's going to cost you compassion, and that's going to come from your heart. Compassion is a sympathetic concern for the sufferings and misfortunes of others. Compassion is a sympathetic concern for the sufferings and misfortunes of others. And again, our hearts are normally pretty geared to ourselves as a rule. Um, no doubt the Good Samaritan was compassionate. But I don't think he was compassionate in that moment. I think he had, God had done, or so whatever, whoever had done work in his life, or he, I, he was, he's something I want to be more of. I want to be more compassionate. I really do. It's going to cost me to do that. Again, Matthew 9, 36, Jesus, when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them because they were weary and scattered like sheep with no shepherd. Our, again, our hearts we keep our hearts pretty busy with us. We just do. Our hearts are pretty busy with us. <laughs> you have to share some of that heart to have compassion. And it doesn't always come naturally or normally. And again, for the Good Samaritan, it says, and when he saw him, he had compassion on him and bandaged his wounds. It costs a Samaritan time, money, and compassion to reach out missionally to this wounded man but it's a great story. It's a great story. It made it into the Bible. This, this random moment, been thousands of moments like this, it made it into the Bible. We're reading it tonight. We're remembering it tonight. And God never forgets. You may forget the good things you've done. Um, hopefully, don't keep a record of it. But God never forgets. Never forgets. He rewards you in heaven. You're going to be so blessed for having a missional mindset. You know, when I was in first grade, um, I was at Murphy School. <laughs> I know, that dates it. Man, that, yeah. <laughs> Murphy School, first grade. Moved into town. Went to Redwood School, city schools the rest of my life. But at the end of the school year, we had these relay things, you know. And um, uh, you just, you, the guys got, the, the boys got, um, connected to a three-legged race, a guy had to run with a girl. And if you were really, 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 really lucky, you would get Sherry Taylor. 
And I was really, 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 really lucky. And I got to be connected to Sherry Taylor because Sherry Taylor was the fastest being in the planet. She was the fastest first grader. She was faster, way faster than any boy. Way faster than she was like superhuman. And I was gonna run the three-legged race with Sherry Taylor. And I knew we were gonna win that prize. Whatever that was, it would probably be the only prize I would win. But I would win if I could just work with Sherry Taylor because I know she was plenty fast. We're gonna win. And so we all connected up, you know, the three-legged race. And no one ever, whoever practices the three-legged race, right? That's the, whole, that's the whole crazy thing about it. It's like, okay, how's this going to go? But there's this prize out there. There was that finish line, and there was those ribbons that they were giving away, you know? And I'm, I wanted a ribbon, and I'm, I'm with Sherry Taylor. This, there's just, this has got to work. It's got to work. And I don't know, I, I, I remember the whistle blowing or the gun popping or whatever it was, but I, I remember the first couple steps, it's like typical three-legged legged race thing. It's like, uh, what are you, uh. And then we both just kind of looked up and we saw this. We, it was so weird. We didn't look at each other. We didn't talk. We just kind of looked at the prize. We saw the finish line. We saw a cause, I'm going to call it greater than ourselves. And we just focused on the finish line and something happened. That's all I can tell you. We were magic. <laughs> we were unbelievably fast. It was the fastest I ever ran in my life. So it felt like it. I've never run faster than one three-legged race because I was connected to Sherry Taylor and we won. But we won not focusing on us. We won because there was something out there that was greater than us. There was a prize. There was a cause. There was a purpose. It was missional. <laughs> it's missional. And it was, it was beautiful. It was wonderful. Thank you, Sherry, wherever you're at. You worked into an illustration here at Edgewater many years later. But that's the idea. When you have something in your marriage because you run with your spouse and in your family, when you have this cause, this purpose, this mission that's greater than yourself, greater than just spending your time on you. I mean, I know you have to do that to some degree. You have to feed your family. You're going to do things with your family. I'm not saying you shouldn't. I'm just saying, do they need all the time? Because there's not enough time. You can spend all the time you have on you. You can spend all the time you have on your kids. They can spend all the time they have on themselves. And I just don't think that's what I want to train my kids to do. The Bible says to train up your kids in the way they should go. And I think one way of doing that, not the only way, is to just have this as a family in your marriage, to have this missional mindset. I went to a wedding oh, five or six years ago in Salem, <clears throat> and you know they have this little handout thing like they have at some weddings, and we are going to be so early tonight. <laughs> we're going to go to Dairy Queen together, all of us. So, um, no, we're not. Um, but they had this little flyer dealie, you know, that that uh, had the order of service at this wedding. And uh, at the bottom of this flyer of all the things, how the wedding was going to unfold, they had this, they had this illust- they have this mission statement. And I thought, goodness gracious, never seen that. Never seen a mission statement, you know, uh, at, at actually just expressed at a wedding like this. And this, I, I wrote, so I, I took the thing home and it says, this is, it was Kevin and Kara's wedding. It says, this is our mission. We aspire to reflect Jesus Christ in our lives in every aspect to reach out to the lost, to love the unloved, 
to never give up on those who have been led astray, to seek the Lord through his word for wisdom and understanding. They had a goal. They had a purpose greater than themselves. They're doing real well, by the way. And I think part of the reason they're doing well is they have this thing that's bigger than them. They weren't going to consume their marriage on themselves, which we can do. We can do really easily. So I guess my, my, my final thought is this. Just don't waste your life on you. Don't waste it on you. Give it away. Live missionally. Have a cause greater than yourself, a purpose greater than yourself, greater than your kids, and bring your kids into it. Bring your grandkids into it. Expose them to a missional mindset. It's from Genesis 1 throughout the Bible. If God was not missional, us being the cause greater than himself, where would we wouldn't be here tonight. Lord knows where we'd be, what we'd be doing, how we'd be doing. But God was missional. God is missional. So for you, John used to say this at, 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 um, at Applegate a lot. He'd say joy. Joy is Jesus, J, others, and yourself. I always thought that was good. Who doesn't want to have joy in their life? I think, right? We all do. Happiness is more based on happenings. That's kind of what happiness, if things are happening well, I'm happy. Joy is deeper. Joy isn't as... It doesn't move around as much. It's more anchored. It's, uh, it's real good. And it comes from Jesus first, others, yourself. Again, that's kind of that missional sense, others. It's just a good life. The missional life is a good life. But you've got to, uh, you've got to want it. You've got to be willing to pay the cost because there's always a cost. But I look back at my life and I look at our kids and I go, man, we did something right. good. Good kids. Good grandkids, you know. So for those of you that are living missionally now, just keep it up. And some of you are the most missionally minded people I have ever been around in my life. And I've taken a zillion lessons from you. Thank you. Keep it up. And for those of you that might say tonight, man, should we talk about this as a couple? Should we talk about this as a family? What can we do as a family to become more missional? Man, I would love to see you talk and pray about that. God will help you. You don't have to figure it all out. God's already figured it out for you. You just have to want it. You just have to want it and just ask him. We do all things through Christ who strengthens us. He wants you to be missional. He's missional. He wants to be like me, he said. Be like me. That's what I want for you, okay? Got it? All right, so Jesus... We thank you more than anything that you are a missional God and that you include us, Lord. We are your great mission. We are that cause that's greater than you, that costs you not just time, <laughs> costs you your life. You paid the greatest price, Lord, for that missional heart, for that great compassion. Thank you for seeing us and rescuing us, Lord. We were, we were by our own sin, Lord, the guy that was beat up, Lord, we beat ourselves up. Sin has beaten us up, but you came and you picked us up and you have healed us and helped us and you continue to do that to this day. So we applaud you. We thank you for your goodness. And Jesus, we just pray that you would help us to be a church, a 
group of people that go from here with a heart to be missional, Lord. Looking for even tomorrow, and I bet it'll happen tomorrow. <laughs> I bet it'll happen tomorrow, Lord. There'll be this moment for all of us. There's going to be this moment that's going to be a cause greater than us, and we're going to have a choice. And I pray, Lord God, that you would equip us for that moment and help us in that moment. It's going to cost us, no doubt. But Lord, it costs you everything. And so help us to be like you. Thank you for each person here. Bless them this evening. And uh, we'll probably all see each other at Dairy Queen in 10 minutes. God bless you. Amen. Amen. God bless. Have a great evening.